the same God that never fails will not fail me now. He won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God that's never late is working all things out. He's working all things out. Good morning, everyone. Everyone here and everyone in church online. Let's just stand today and let's open with prayer. Lord, we just uh, thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for the heat. Uh, we went from 
as we do around here anymore from winter to summer and who knows what's happening. But God, we just thank you that you gave us today, today to worship and glorify your name. And um, as today we talk about unanswered prayer, God, I just believe that there's many of us here who are dealing with that. And I pray that you'll just um, you'll just speak to us and that we can set those things aside and focus on you and what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody says amen.
Say hi to somebody around you, and our children can go ahead out to our Haven kids.
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. so excited to be up here and I want to praise you all for coming to church on such a beautiful day. I don't know about you but we got a rainstorm right before we came. Um, and we have a couple uh, special prayer requests today. Thomas McCuster who is traveling to Washington State for a summer internship. May God be with him and be in traveling mercies for them. Um, also um, Holly has asked that during her weight loss journey it's a real struggle right now, and for unspoken prayers. And honey, every one of us have been there. Don't give up. Just power boost. Something like that. Um, and last week, as you know, we, um, or two weeks ago, we lost William Slow, one of our good buddies from our church, known as Lou. And his family has sent us a beautiful thank you card. So I'm going to read that out loud as part of the prayer. To my father's church family, thank you sincerely for your thoughtful kindness at the time when it was deeply appreciated and gratefully acknowledged from the family of William Francis Show. I think I called him slow, sorry. He was not slow. Lou was a man of motion. But I want to do something special today um, in our prayer um, Bible study. We're learning some new ways to pray. So I would like for everyone to take your palms and place them on your knees, hands down. And at this moment in time, I want you to bow your head and I want you to give this day to God. Ask him to give you what is to come. Ask him to give you the Holy Spirit. If you are in need of healing, ask him to heal you. If you are sad, or you're having mental health issues, ask God to take those away from you. Take Satan and put him in the back. I want you to pray for others that you love, that might be hurting, and that need your special touch and God's touch. So I want you to keep your hands down. I'm gonna give you a few seconds, and I want you just to give it to God today. Okay, now why don't you lift your heads and put your palms up, because now we're going to receive it from God. He's going to give us those things we've asked for and that we've prayed for. He's going to give us the love and concern for others, those that are traveling, 
those that are suffering with grief. He is going to give it to you. Let those palms stay up and accept his love, accept his healing. I know there's many of us out there that are hurting. Take his healing. Pray to him and receive it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this church family. Thank you for this time we have together. Hear each and every one of our prayers, and let us put our hands up to you to receive it, because there is no one better, no one stronger, and no one who walks with us every minute, every day, other than you, Lord. So let us keep our hands down to give it to you and our hands up to receive it from you. Continue to be with Jack as he's healing. Continue to be with our Bible study as we learn. I think this is one of the most interesting things I learned about prayer was giving it up to you and then receiving it. So in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. All right. At this time, we're going to go ahead and see what's going on here at Haven. Before I, um, we go into some other stuff, I want to, um, and, and before I touch on a couple of those on there real quick, I, I do want to um, make sure that we do add to our prayer list um, Greg Harvey and his family. Um, as uh, Greg, we've been praying for him for a while, and he did pass away, um, and Carol lifted, uh, Henson lifted that up. And uh, Rebecca Head, um, her father, um, Bob Smith, passed away. Rebecca and Kenny attended here regularly, and they do on, online and um, even involved in some of our our um our small groups and stuff um, through Zoom. Um, he passed away, and a prayer went out this week for uh, traveling mercies for them as they found out in the morning that they needed to get from Alabama to Cleveland because he was doing very badly, and she was able to spend a day with her father before he passed, so she was very thankful and um, for that. So we want to continue to lift them in your prayers. Also, you saw, um, may have seen up there, June 26th, we're going to have a baptism service, and I know some people are interested 
in, in that. Um, and it's, uh, we, we celebrated baptism in here last week, but we, uh, whether you know it, across the parking lot um, in the woods down the hill, there is a, uh, a creek that's in there. And um, we celebrated that last year. And if you would like to go ahead and have an old-fashioned Duncan, um, and I always joke with people and say, you got to keep you under as long as you're a sinner. So some people, I've literally, I've literally with friends of mine, shoved them back down when they tried to come back up. Um, but um, no, it's a good time, um, and we'll, ha we'll have some more things with that. Um, we have t-shirts for people, and we'll have some other things ready. Um, if you want to do that, we'll talk more about that on the 26th of June. All right? So there we go. That's a couple of the things that we have going on here. Um, okay, so we... Um, uh, another thing is we are in, I have week five, it's somewhere around there, of the series that we're doing on the Lord's Prayer and about how we're learning this, um, this um, method that Jesus gave us to pray. But with that, we're learning different types, like Joanna shared today, different ways to really connect. I'm somebody who is, um, who, you know, I've told you several times, my mind wanders all over the place. So a lot of times when I pray, I got to pray and move, um, or else the mind is moving and the body's sitting still. And that's okay. Um, you know, when, when you teach people to, you know, sit still, bow your heads, get quiet. That is like a living hell for Jack Cohen, just to let you know. So, and, and God knows that. And so um, I got to move. I got to think. I got to, I got to, you know, sometimes keep my eyes open and that stuff. It's, it's okay. Um, main thing is just talking to God um, in that, um, in several different ways. So we are looking at the Lord's Prayer and we're looking verse by verse. And, um, there's been some really cool things in this. I, I love um, in looking at the story um, that we were talking about in some of the small groups. And um, th the one of a, a man in London who was walking to work and he, uh, the Holy Spirit just urged him to pray. And so uh, told him to be praying for protection and to be praying for those around him. And for an hour he began to just walk the streets praying and he never he never usually did this but he just felt compelled by God to do that and last week when we were talking about intercessory prayer um, he didn't know why but he was just praying and praying and walking around and later that night he realized that the exact same time that he was praying for the city around him um, around those streets there was a terrorist who was driving those streets and who was about to commit a terrorist act and did commit it at the time and they said many lives were saved during that time and he really believes it was God placing him there to pray for people at that time. So there's just amazing stories that are there. Um, you can still connect to um, some of our groups. Um, it's not something like, oh, you missed and you're done. We'd love for you to still connect to that. We have like 50-some people uh, in the church who are connected to small groups. We do have Zoom available. But we also want to mention if that if um, through Right Now Media, which we provide for anybody, um, you can connect. And if you have some more information about that, you can contact the small groups at HavenCC or info at HavenCC.org, and we can get you connected to Right Right now, media, if you um, like to participate with some of that on your own. Because the main goal, we love to get people together, but ultimately we want to get you together with God, and that's this whole thing about prayer, all right? Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, something different. We're going to talk about unanswered prayers. So does anybody ever feel like at some point in your life that you've asked God for something, you've prayed to God for something, and you felt that God was um, just ignoring you completely, um, or that he just let it go, or that the answer might have been no. 
Um, anybody ever felt that you've had an unanswered prayer in your life? Anybody? Okay. Um, and um, I have uh, regularly. Um, but uh, God does move through prayer, and we see that history is changed through prayer. But there's this tremendous mystery. And often, I want to say, often um, that's a church word for saying where you don't have a clue um, with mysteries. And that's okay. It's okay because, you know, a lot of times, you know, I think church people are really bad about you know, when something doesn't go right and we pray and we just, well, God works in mysterious ways. Well, he, yeah, that's okay, but still I don't like it. Anybody with me? You don't like, I, I don't, I don't, there's some things I don't like that God does, but that's okay. There's a lot of things I do that God doesn't like, so he's okay with that. But, um, so, you know, why does God sometimes just seem to answer some prayers and others? He seems to like, you know, I'm like, hello, are you there? What, what's going on here? Um, many times it just seems like God could not care um, at all. And, um, and sometimes he just doesn't answer prayers. Often he doesn't answer them the way I want him to. Um, and that's probably a good thing that God doesn't. Uh, anybody, um, anybody like movies? Anybody remember the movie with Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty? Anybody remember that? Where he gets the opportunity to have the, the powers that God has, and he's given them, and he does some really interesting things. But one of the key parts of that is when every, he starts to hear everybody's prayers. Remember that? And he starts to hit the button for yes for everything. Remember that? And all the people who said, oh, God, please let me win the lottery. Um, and remember, all these people win the lottery, and they all got a whopping $16. You know, I mean, so that's one of the things. And I'd say in this room, there's a lot of people who have maybe have prayed to win the lottery. Um, and there's an old story about someone who prayed to win the lottery, prayed to win the lottery. For 20 years, he prayed to win the lottery. And he, he finally died, and he, he got there. He said, God, I, I never won the lottery. And God said, well, you have to buy a ticket first. You know, and sometimes that's just how we approach prayer. We want God to do everything, and we want to do absolutely nothing. But if you're like me, you have so many times in life where you just don't understand why God answers some prayers and doesn't others. There's a Chinese legend by a guy named Sai, S-A-I, Wang, W-E-N-G. And he had these prized horses. And, and many people who grew up in China understood this story. And they were taught this from a very young age. He lost one of his prized horses. And his neighbor came and just was so upset for him and expressed his sorrow. But Sai Wang said, hey, you know, who knows? It may have even been a good thing for me to lose my horse. Surprisingly, the lost horse returned and brought another horse. And it was a wonderful horse as well. And the neighbor congratulated him again, said, wow, I see what you mean. And Sai said, well, who knows if this might be a bad thing for me that he brought another horse in. Well, his son was trying to uh, ride the new horse, and he fell off, and he broke his leg. And this seemed like misfortune until the Chinese army arrived at the village to recruit all able-bodied young men to fight in the war. And because of his son's injury, he wasn't recruited to go to the front lines, which ultimately spared his life. This is a Chinese uh, proverb and story that has been shared and reminds us that it, there's a lot of difficulty in discerning God's will and what God is doing. And sometimes that challenges, the challenges and trials that we have from prayer and unanswered prayer may be a blessing in disguise um, and vice versa. Some of the things we ask for that aren't answered or we don't get may also be a blessing in disguise. You know, like there's times when you're just crying out to God, when we're just asking God to move on our behalf. And we come before God and we pray. We pray certain things like, God, we have this chronically sick 
child and can you intervene and do something? Anybody ever been um, in a place where your child was sick or had something and you're helpless to do anything and you want to do absolutely anything and you're, you're, you're bargaining with God, you're saying all kinds of things and God, can you do something here? And you might be that part. Or you may have um, someone that we love who is sick and dying and you, it makes no sense and you're, you're really praying to God for something and it doesn't seem like God answers or intervenes, at least not the way we want him to. And when we're praying for someone in dire need and God doesn't seem to answer, we go through so many things. Others may be praying for children, their financial situations, or praying for loved ones to come to know Jesus, or, or praying for broken relationships to be restored. And these circumstances can be difficult when we don't get those answers that we feel like we need. And they can actually be faith-shattering. And we might say, well, yeah, a number of things. Well, I know and I've been taught that God loves me. And I know that God is able to do it. I know that God is able to heal. I know that God is able to work in this situation. So if God does not, then that, he has a lot of questions to us. Does God not love me? Is God not paying attention? Does he not care? Or maybe the problem's with me. There's another thing Christians have been really bad at. Or somebody's in a hospital and sick and say, well, do you have unconfessed sin in your life? And is there something that you've done? And you know, that, kind of, that kind of junk that we, we, we make that this, this world and what we deal with is, is, um, is something that we've done that's keeping God from that. It'd be like if my, my kids didn't listen to me and then they, they uh, you know, broke their leg and I'm like, hey, deal with it. That's what you get for not listening to me. And, and if that's how I, if, if I'm not going to do that with my kids, God's not going to do that with us. And we've got a warped sense of God. And maybe we say, well, maybe I've done something and that's why God isn't answered. And then we become guilty and, and guilt-ridden and everything else. So the topic of what we're dealing with today is your will be done. Or as we sang, thy will be done. I think it's the hardest prayer ever. The hardest prayer, because we're good at saying, God, I need this, and we really need this to intervene on this person. We talked last week about intercessory prayer, and I'm good at praying for other people and what they need. I know what other people need. I know what I, I, I think I know what I need, and I'm good at lifting those things up. But when it comes down to it, to really go to the point and say, here's what I need, here's what I think this person needs, but your will be done. That's just hard to, as they've said in the Emmaus community, let go and let God. It's really a hard thing to do. So when we wonder what God is doing and we say, where are you in the midst of all this? We're looking at the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. And let's look at where we've been in this order of the prayer. We have our Father and we're invited into this beautiful, intimate relationship with our Daddy. That's what Abba means. And we see him as this perfect dad who has a love relationship and wants an intimate relationship with us. But it doesn't stop there. He's holy. He's hallowed or hallowed be your name. His name is holy and he's above everything else. And that causes us to give an act of worship or adoration. You know, we focus so much on Jesus as my homeboy that we forgot that God is, is so holy and so amazing that we see him. We need to place him in the most highest honor. In the center of our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, God, you are the king and everything else is above that. And your will be done. And here's where everything else hinges. It's a hinge that everything else hinges off of this verse. There's a shift in the prayer that goes here. So far it's been all about God. Have you noticed that? 
This prayer has been all about God and who he is and how holy he is and how he's the king of kings. And now we start to have a shift and we start to hear things like, give us this day our daily bread. And I know Wes touched on that, but forgive us, lead us, deliver us. So we see this hinge that once we recognize who God is, because we got to know who we're talking to first before we ask for anything. And you, know, you ever been in a store? Um, I remember back in the um, back in the '90s, I had on a blue uh, like polo shirt and khakis, and I happened to be in Best Buy. And you know how many people came up and asked me where stuff was in there? And some of them I went along with it. You know, I was like, well, yeah, good to see you. Have a good time. Welcome to Best Buy. Um, but, but for the most part, I didn't know what I was talking about. But, and, and they didn't know who they were talking to, and I didn't have the knowledge. We need to know who God is before we ask for, from God what we, what we need. And so today we're going to focus on some of this verse, like from John chapter 14, where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says this verse, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. If that prayer stopped there, this would be really good. But it also would be really bad because it also makes God out to be a spiritual Santa Claus. And so what, what is the condition? So that, there's always a so that. So God's going to do anything you ask in his name, but it has to have this to it, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So we're using the name of Jesus to bring this apart. <coughs> and, it's, and everything that we ask for in prayer is for one purpose. Through Jesus the Son, through his name, which gives us the authority of the heavens and the earth, but the whole goal of that is to bring glory to God the Father. See, when we know who God is majesty, holy, king of kings, daddy. When we know that, he says, hey, because we know how holy he is and we want to adore him and we want to worship him, then every prayer we ask, whether it's for somebody or whether it's for us, that somewhere in there we say, God, I wanted to bring glory to your name. And that's the key in, in prayer. Um, the great writer Oswald Chambers um, wrote this. He said, our Lord, he said, our Lord never referred to unanswered prayer. He taught that prayers are always answered. Everyone who asks receives. And he implied that prayers are answered rightly because of the Heavenly Father's wisdom. Your Father knows the things you have need before you ask Him. So I, we're, we're going to be struggling and dealing with this whole kind of thing. Any Garth Brooks fans? Anybody got friends in low places? All right. Um, and Garth Brooks wrote a song years ago called Unanswered Prayers. And he talks about the time where he and his wife ran into an old high school sweetheart. And he remembered praying fervently that one day she would be his wife. But the time things had changed that he said, thank God you didn't answer that prayer. And he says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs. And just because he may not uh, answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. I actually wonder sometimes about the term unanswered prayers. Because when we look at this, there's a couple things that we see in the midst of unanswered prayers. That um, the prayers that, why, why does this happen? Because the prayers that we pray may not be answered right now. We live in a culture of immediacy, don't we? We want something, we want it now. One of the biggest problems we had during the, pan, the, the height of the pandemic is we couldn't get the stuff we wanted right now. 
How many of you are still frustrated that Walmart is not open 24-7 now? Yes, right? And at 3 o'clock in the morning, you need some Keebler Elf cookies and you can't get them anywhere. And, but we were used to that, weren't we? And we want it now. We want to have that and we, we like that on demand. We like stuff now. Um, we could even go to the point of uh, how many of you remember the days of dial-up internet? Okay, you're showing your age now. Dial-up internet. And God forbid somebody called your house. If you had that one telephone line and cut you off while you were trying for two hours to download one MP3 from Napster. There we go. All right. Um, and, and this is what kills you. Now, when we don't get it in five seconds, we are aggravated, aren't we? And this is how we are. We like things immediately. So some of the times when we pray, we might have, not have that answer right now. Many, many of us or many of you have done this and have prayed for years, or you may be a product of your mother praying for years. And I would dare say that there was probably 20 years that your mother was praying and saying, God, are you listening? And then that time that she sees that prayer answered by God and sees you, you, uh, the answer to uh, her prayers in your life. So you see that. There are also prayers that I prayed that I'm glad that Jesus never answered. Maybe you're like that Garth Brooks song that when you were dating that person and you were in that relationship, you prayed that God would intervene because you were so in love with that hunk. And then you go to the class reunion and you say, thank you, Jesus, for not answering that prayer. Right? Time and time again, we have those things. Or you pray for that job. And then you realize that that's not what we really needed. That would have, that would have been horrible for you or, or whatever. Um, that many times you, you were looking at, you were setting the agenda for your own life. And God knows what's best for us. And it's not always answered the way we might expect, but it's always answered. Answer prayer ultimately comes down to this. It's a clash of wills. It's a clash of wills. Your will be done, not mine. Unanswered prayer is when I might say to God, this is not what I thought was going to happen, God. This is not what I would have done. You know, I've continued to ask you to change, but it's not changing according to the way I want it to. You ever pray for God to change somebody? And really what God needs to do is to change your approach to it. I don't like that. I wish God would just change people because I think I'm pretty cool. <laughs> There's a clash of will, my will and God's will. Sometimes when we're crying out to God, there's situations that are so painful. When someone who found out that their own child is, is sick or is dying or has died, and we want anything for God to just, to just change that. And no one wants to see somebody that we love suffer. Nobody wants to suffer themselves. And so there's been times that we've ple pleaded for God. Friends that have passed away and I've pleaded for God and trusted that I wanted God to heal them and get them up. And yes, I know for the Christian that death is the ultimate form of healing, but I want that person here. And I don't like when God doesn't answer that. And then you see somebody else who you say is not very godly and all of a sudden they get well and you go, really God? You know what I mean? And so we have these kind of things and Say, God, I want you to intervene. And you know, here's the thing. Life is tough. <laughs> Life is difficult. Life brings us into situations and circumstances and trials that we don't want for ourselves or even maybe our worst enemies. <coughs> and we've asked God to take them from us and to intervene. 
although there's this mysterious level to prayer, we can know that there are some things that we can learn. I'm reminded of the boy who really wanted a new bike. And he wanted it so badly, he was bugging his mother, bugging his mother. And, he, and his mother said, well, son, I know you've been telling me that you need a new bike. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and I want you to pray to God. And I want you to ask God and tell him the reasons why you really deserve this new bike. So he goes upstairs and he folds his hands. He gets real quiet and he says, God, I have been really, really good this year and I think I need a new bike. So he said, amen. And he got up and the next day nothing happened and he started thinking, you know what? I really haven't been that good. So he says, I'm going to go back upstairs and pray. He went back upstairs and prayed and he said, God, I kind of fibbed a little bit yesterday. I want to let you know I've been really okay this year. And I think by being really okay, I think I need a new bike. Thank you. Amen. <coughs> so he went to bed the next day, no new bike anywhere. And he thought, you know, that sounded really lame. So he was telling his mom, he said, I've been praying. He said, Mom, do you mind if I go to church? She said, sure. He said, I've been praying for this new bike. Do you mind if I go to church? She said, okay. So he went down to church, and um, he, he walked in and went, and he, it was the church they attended, and it was right around Christmas time. And he saw a nativity set. And he went and he looked around, took Mary, put her in a, in a trash bag, carried her home, went up to his room, and said, God, I have your mother. If you ever want to see her again, <laughs> get me a new bike, all right? And that's sometimes how we react to God. We want conditions with God, don't we? We want to do stuff to get God to convince him to do our will. Again, it's a connection of wills. It's a battle of wills that we had. One of the things that we can see is that Jesus understands this prayer thing and this struggle when in a flesh, in a human way, we want something from, from God. We want him to answer a certain way, and yet we don't get the answer that we want in, in our own human nature. One of the best examples of that is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right after the Last Supper, and he's when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, as they did before, and he takes the big three with him and says, hey, stay here and pray and don't fall asleep. And he goes and he's in such agony. We know that he, he's, he had this thing called hemodidrosis, that you're in such agony that the blood vessels pop in your head and, and you're, it, you, it mixes with sweat and they drop to the ground. He was in such agony because he understood what he was going to face. And let's see what it says here in Mark chapter 14. It says, then they went to the place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took the big three with him, Peter, James, and John. And he began to be deeply distressed and in trouble. And listen to what he says. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You know, we stop. A lot of times we, rec you know, it's, we need to recognize he is the son of God and he, and he took, this, took this on. But we forget to recognize that he was fully human. 
And he took all the weight of the sin upon the world, all that stuff, getting ready to face a Roman crucifixion. If you don't know what that's about, go ahead and look online. And there's so many things. One of the cruelest forms of death to take you to the point of death several times and all of it without dying. And Jesus knows in a little bit he's going to face this. And he is overwhelmed with sorrow. Sorrow because the people that he came for rejected him, many of them. Knowing that in, in a little bit, all his disciples, are going to, all his friends are going to leave him alone. And he's going to be completely alone. And not even that, upon the cross, he's going to be completely alone, separated from God by taking all the sin on the world. Something that has never happened before, but by him be giving up his throne above to become fully human, he is going to be completely alone with the weight of sin. And he's overwhelmed to the point of death, he said to them. Then he said, stay here and keep watch. And going a little further, he went off by himself. He fell to the ground. Notice he didn't kneel, he collapsed. Again, look at, look at what's going on. He collapsed to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, and the thing is, Jesus knows everything's possible with God. If it's possible that this hour might pass from him. And, and he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. He recognizes that. Take this cup from me. And look what he says here. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Isn't it amazing that right here in the midst of his deepest part that Jesus gives us a great model for prayer once again. Not one when he's praying and they say, hey, Lord, teach us to pray as we've been talking about in Matthew. But have you ever been here where Jesus is? Have you ever been in this place where you're wrestling with something in your life and you're overwhelmed to the point of death and it just consumes your mind and your heart and your life? Here is Jesus, God in flesh, wrestling with his Father's will. The whole reason that he's here is to do the will of the Father. That's what he said. Yet it's so weighty upon him that he's crying out to God. It's having a physical effect on him. He knows that the cross is ahead of him. He knows that he's being rejected by his friends. And those who he brought with him, his closest three, are falling asleep and not even praying for him. He, like the people that you see in the store and they say, how you doing? He says, hey, I'm going through a tough time. And they say, oh, I'll pray for you. And they just go to aisle five and get, get their milk and bread or whatever and leave and don't ever pray. This is what's going on here. And he's struggling and he feels so alone. And there's a spiritual anguish of knowing that he's going to be separated from God as he takes the sins of the world on it's all weighty, and he is wrestling for the first time with God's will for his life. I'm sure many of us, if you had a chance, had some point in your life that you're wrestling with God's will, whether it's something that happened to you or something that happened to somebody you're praying for that you love. And you're crying out to God, and you're saying, God, why are you doing this? Or why are you not doing this? And God, can you just take this from me? You know, over the last two years, I just said, hey, hey, God, you know, pick somebody else. When we did the series in Job and, and how uh, Satan comes in and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And then let's Satan kind of mess with him. Um, after when I was given that series, Jill said, hey, um, did you ever consider that God is saying have you, to Satan, have you considered my servant Jack? I said, can you tell him to consider someone else for a while? I would appreciate that. You know, because it's weighty at times what we deal with. But the first thing that we need to know, and this is in your, in your bulletin, we have a Savior who knows and can relate to us in this. 
And here's the thing. It is okay to wrestle with God and to cry out to God and express our pain and our disappointment and our frustration. Whatever it may be, God is okay with it. And he understands. Look what was said about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53. It says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Jesus was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. That's not how we often think about Jesus. This is who Jesus is, so he can empathize in us with us in our weakness. And we can find ourselves, when we find ourselves in a situation, we can learn about what Jesus went through in his suffering and pain. And we can find uh, and learn a lot how Jesus prayed in this Garden of Gethsemane. What did he do? He came to the Father. A lot of times, I don't know if any, anybody like me at times, where you're going through something, you kind of isolate yourself. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't even want to talk to God. I had a counselor one time said, how are you doing with prayer life? I said, I'm kind of mad at God right now. I don't want to talk to him. You know, we go through that at times in our lives. Um, the other thing that Jesus does is he gathers others around him to be praying with him at that moment. Often we get in these things where we just don't have people pray for us. We're so private that we don't have people praying on our behalf. And then the coolest thing about this, I don't know whether you saw it already, um, many of you may have, but with this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus models the same prayer as the Lord's Prayer. Did you recognize that? How does he start? He says, Abba, Father. He goes to that intimacy, Daddy. He anchors himself in the fact that even though he's going through this horrible struggle and he's struggling with what his dad wants him to do, he's still his dad who he has this intimate connection with. He says, I'm struggling and I'm in pain, but I'm anchoring myself to your love. He never doubts the love of his dad for him. Then he says, everything is possible for you. What does that mean? He acknowledges the power of God. He says, you can do anything. He's giving him that hallowed be your name, the adoration, the worship, the Father's sovereignty, that you can at any moment do any of this. And he knows that all things are possible with his dad. You know, anybody like when you were growing up, did you, you know, like when I was growing up, I had these superheroes. Anybody know, like, like we're talking like Marvel, DC, they were all kind of mixed together. And the super friends, you know, on Saturday morning. And, and I had them and they were about this big and they had this like rubber band that connected them. But after a while, that rubber band would rot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it would break. And my dad grabbed my mom's, um, like crochet hook and put this like little elastic stuff and fixed them. Sometimes they were like, leg was hanging off, but they were fixed. And, and there was one time where like I had some friends in the neighborhood and they had some broken superheroes. And you know what I did? I said, come on, my dad can fix them. And they had like 20 ones, 20 there. And I'm like, dad, can you fix these? And he's like, yeah, but no. Um, but you know, but for me, I knew my dad could fix anything. And that's what Jesus knows that no matter what, his dad can do anything. Everything is possible for you. And then he comes, he's acknowledging the power, but then he comes to what Wes shared about this petition. Take this cup from me. God, please take this cup from me. Jesus is making a request. And I want to urge all of us to pour out our hearts before our dad in heaven. Just pour it out. Even if you're, if you're wrestling with the will of God, get real with God. Say, Daddy, I don't want to do this. That's Okay. The Psalms are full of people pouring out their hearts to God. And if you're hurting, it's okay. And Jesus, the Son of God, poured his heart out to God. And then we go to the, what we're talking about, but not my will, 
but yours be done. The final part of his prayer is exactly what he said. And he concludes with, I'm going to trust you. I might not understand and I don't want it, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust in your love and I know that you love me. We need to not mistake God's silence for him not being at work in our lives. The Son of God is crying out for a change in a way that he wants it to change. Could you please take this if, it's, if it works, but not my will, your will, and it doesn't change. The greatest work in human history through Jesus' humanity is being reconciled to God. Salvation is coming to him through this moment, and yet God seems very silent to Jesus at this point. But he knows God loves him, and God is in the midst, and he is at work. In Isaiah 55, here's one of these verses that we like to quote, and it doesn't make us feel any better. When we're going through something, it doesn't make us feel any better. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts and my, and are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways um, your ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts that are, are uh, greater than your thoughts. Okay, I get it, but it doesn't, ma- it doesn't make me feel good, does it, when I'm going through something. But sometimes we just don't understand. In this Google world, we can't Google, God, what is your way here? And figure it out. We just have to trust God. And that's where faith comes in, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Several times in life, we think that life is just going to be smooth sailing. And this is one of the things that the church has also done. Um, We've told people to come to Jesus, and we kind of give this connotation that everything's going to be wonderful. But if you read the Bible, everybody who followed Jesus... The, the, the 12, every single one of them died a horrific physical death except for John. And they did it with joy because it wasn't about how they died. It was about who they were serving. It was about the will of God in their lives. Following Jesus is not necessarily a life free from suffering. Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Look at the life of Jesus, but let's look at the life of Paul. Paul, after when Paul was persecuting, killing Christians, gathering them up. He had authority from the, um, the uh, Sanhedrin, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He went, he had, he, the high priest himself gave him this authority. He went rounding them up. He sat there and watched Stephen be stoned to death. He was sitting there and he, he, he was somebody. So much so that the early church was scared to death of Saul of Tarsus. Then he had this encounter with Jesus. It changed his entire life. He began to wrote, write, excuse me, write a third of the New Testament. Most of the early church writings are to churches to support them and to encourage them in God. And after he began to follow Jesus, he went from having this authority where he could move anywhere as a Roman citizen. He did that. But here's what happened. He was persecuted. He was jailed. He was beaten. He was stoned um, to death with rocks. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He... Uh, He had all these kind of things that happened to him and many, many more things after he began to follow Jesus. And trials come into our lives and suffering comes into our lives. But that does not mean that God has deserted us and it doesn't mean that God has abandoned or is not listening to us. It's in these times that we don't need to pull away from God, but we need to draw closer to God. In Colossians chapter 4, this is what Paul writes to the Colossian church. Ephesus, who is one of you, and the servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. What is he always doing? He is always wrestling in prayer for you, 
that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. What is Ephesus doing? Wrestling with God. Why? So that the Colossian church and even himself will do the will of God. You know why? Because their will, his will, is not equal with God. And often they don't like how things are happening, particularly in the time of persecution, but he's praying and wrestling with that time and time again. We have gone ahead and had made prayers so nice and, and, and fluid and made them about what we want and just leave it there and here's our list, here's our grocery list for heaven, that we forget that sometimes we, God wants us to wrestle with him in life. And we need to pray for ourselves and we need to pray for others and wrestle in prayer. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by doing what? By praying to God for me. There's a struggle that is existing here. If God doesn't remove us or doesn't remove the challenge that we're doing, look at the way Paul prays for these early churches. There's a surprising lack where Paul prays for these churches for their troubles to be taken away. I challenge you to go ahead. That's your homework this week. If you can find it, share with me. He says a little bit here, but I find it often that Paul does not pray for their troubles to be taken away at all. So if I was praying for the church, I would always say, hey, God, you know, hey, can, can you take, can you give them that freedom and can you take that oppression away from them and take away their suffering? But Paul does it differently. Paul doesn't pray so much about external circumstances around them, but he prays about their lives and their assurance in God and who he is and in his will and in the internal journey that they are connecting to God in and growing in. So the second thing that we want to see here is don't pray so much. I mean, we pray about it, but don't get so focused on praying for external circumstances, but pray more for the internal journey our hearts are going through with God. I say that because we spend so much time praying for external things. I do. Does anybody else? I pray for the wants, the needs, the, the illnesses, the situations. I pray for that all the time. But if I'm honest with myself, if I'm doing a comparison, there's very few times I'm saying, God, really do something inside me and in the internal condition of my heart. Look at what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell where? In your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. What love is that? The love of God the Father may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge. You know what that means? What you're thinking and what you don't like, the love of God surpasses all that. It's what we call the peace that passes all understanding. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Does Paul once pray in that whole thing? I pray that every situation and every struggle and trial in your life be removed. He's not praying for that at all. And the church at Ephesus needed some prayers for that. Paul prays, whatever's going on around you... I want the love of God to be full in your life so you know the fullness of God in the midst of everything else around you. And that situations come and go, but your connection and your love to God 
gets stronger and stronger every day. That's what he prayed for. Constantly, constantly, Paul prayed for that. As I reflect in my own prayer life, I do reflect on how often I pray for the externals. And there's nothing wrong with praying for my family and my kids and my friends and everything. But how often do I pray that they would know and I would know the depths of God's love? That they would know the depths and I would know the depths of God's peace that passes any kind of understanding with regardless of what struggles I'm going through. I can tell you with the struggles and the challenges that I've had recently over the last couple of years, I have prayed God do something. And God said, I am in you. I'm going to in you so that whatever happens out here, why am I, what am, what am I doing? I'm doing so that what you ask, Jack, that through my son, you will be glorified in it. You know how many people have said, I don't know how you've made it through what you made through? And I'm saying, yeah, me neither. But if anything happened in all that, I hope the thing that, the one thing that you got is, I don't like a lot of the things that's happened to me and that's happened to people around me in the last couple years. But what I, what I can tell you is that if it wasn't for God, they would have dug a hole and put me in it a long time ago. And there's times where depression and anxiety and hurt and pain have been so dark and deep that out of my own nature, my will was, God, can you just smoke me and get me out of here? Right? That I was overwhelmed even to the point of death, praying for death so I didn't have to deal with this pain anymore. And some of you have been there too. But the only thing that got me up, and if you look at the Garden of Gethsemane, God sent spiritual renewal to Jesus in that time to face what he needed to face. And for me, it's been like every couple of months, there's something else over the last couple of years. And each time, I used to say early in the process and early in the in loss and early in the things, I used to say, yeah, I, I can't take anymore. And guess what I found out? I couldn't take the first, but God can. And I'm learning more about the fullness of God in the valley than I ever did on the mountaintop. That doesn't mean that I'm super Christian. It means I don't like it. And I tell God, I don't like this. And sometimes, God, you stink. And guess what? Did you see that? I said that in church, and I'm still here. <laughs> but what I know is that Paul is showing a deeper way to pray. Jesus is showing that there's something greater. In the midst of the struggle, you get to know God. I've heard people say that when they're going through things, they really saw who their friends were and the people who cared about them. Anybody been in that? You really see how much God loves you in the struggles of your life. Maybe today somebody needs to know the, the fullness and the depth of God's love. Maybe you need to know the depth and the breadth and the length and the, of, that God loves you so much. And I pray that the Holy Spirit may come and strengthen you in your innermost being. That in time of struggle you may know the grace, the freedom, and the peace of God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul experiences himself as he suffered. He says this, he said, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we were despaired of life itself. Paul was, Jack was Paul a few months back. Paul was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, indeed, we had felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raised the dead. 
Why did he experience these trials even to the point of death? To help us recognize to rely on God. And we have that. I believe we are in a time of life that we have the hardest time to just rely on God because we have so much at a click of a button, so much at a scroll on a, on a phone. We have so much that we can just have like that. But there's those times in life where stuff happens that we can only rely on God. Uh, and a lot of times we need to, we get our eyes so focused on something that doesn't matter, we forget to see the things that do. There's a story of a four-year-old boy who had a truck, and it was his favorite truck. He was playing with it, and it wasn't like those Tonka trucks, you know, like the ones that will last after a nuclear holocaust like I had when I was a kid. You know, I mean, like if you hit a friend with it, you knock them out, and they had needed surgery, you know. Um, talking about those like cheap plastic ones now, but it was his favorite truck, and um, he was playing with his sand pit, and he went and put it down, and he picked it up, and it broke. He ran to his father, and he's crying, crying, because this was his most favorite thing in life. He's like, Daddy, fix it. Daddy, fix it. Daddy, fix it. And he came to the father, and the father grabbed him, and he put the truck aside, and he said, Hey, son, I've got great news for you. This four-year-old boy's like, What? He little truck, and he's crying. He said, I've got great news for you. Um, your great uncle, we, here's not the good news, but he passed away. But here's the good news. We just got a letter that because he had no family and he really loved you, he left you $20 million. And boy's like, I want my truck. He didn't realize how many trucks he could buy because he didn't understand the inheritance that he had. And so far, so many, so many of us get so focused on what is here and we can't control. And we say, God, fix our trucks. And he says, well, wait a second. You're my child and you have all this. You have my inheritance. You don't see that regardless of what happens in circumstances, regardless of whether you think I'm working or not, everything is yours. Come and take the kingdom. Isn't that what we prayed last week? Your kingdom come. And how we get to participate in that? By achieving God's will and not our own in life. With me, I often don't realize the fullness of what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. And I need to know the height and the breadth and the depth of the love of God. Paul said, this is, I went through these struggles so I could learn to depend on him. You know, I, I just hope that, God, you'll help us understand how great you are, how great is your love, and how great is your good news. And I want to encourage anybody who's going through any trials. Don't want to minimize those. That's not what we're here to do. God's not saying, I got it. Because they're, they're deep. And I think that's what we see with Jesus and Paul and others, that they went through these struggles. But that you will lean into him and know him more. And so we have this point. God is bringing us to a place of surrender and trust in him and wanting to work internally on us to realize that he is the greatest treasure. And there are some external purposes that he takes to do greater works in our lives. You know, in psychology, they've done several studies on pain and purpose, and they, they've shown that people can endure a lot if they find some kind of purpose in the pain. Like, for instance, anybody go to the gym? Anybody ever run? You ever seen somebody smiling when they're running on the side of the road? They're not like, they're like, <sighs> like it, it, it looks like you're in pain and stuff. And then people lifting weights, you know, it's not like they're like, yeah, 
ah, you know. But there is a purpose in that pain. Um, you know, we lifted up today about diets. Anybody gone out to eat and there's chocolate cake and ice cream and you're on a diet and you go, yes, you know, no. There's a pain, but if there's a purpose in it, we can accept it better and better. We may not like it, but we have that. For instance, ladies who've had babies, guys, we'd have one. We wouldn't forget. We'd be like, uh uh-uh, I don't care what we get from that. But the purpose is, oh my gosh, we have this life and that means something to us. God does have a purpose in our pain and it's a journey. And it's interesting that at various times that Paul would pray They'd be released from prison, and sometimes miraculously he would, and sometimes other. But in Philippians chapter 1, he was stuck in prison, and he says this. Now, I want, you, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Remember several years ago we were talking about where Paul was chained to Roman, uh, different Roman guards time and time again. A new shift will come in. Paul didn't want to be in prison. He didn't want to sit there, but he used the opportunity to go ahead and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. He starts telling about Jesus. Next shift comes in. He says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And the next people say, hey, remember yesterday I was telling you about Jesus? Let me tell you about him again. So Paul took the opportunity of his trial to go ahead and use it to give God the glory through his son. Isn't that what we read today in there? Paul's not released, but he said, God is using my chains even for the advancement of the gospel. Paul talks about this right in this section. He's in chains, and here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. I say that at every funeral I have. What we learn is God is with us and God comforts us. And the reason is so that we can glorify God by bringing comfort to others. I'm going to rip through this last section here, so don't get nervous. There's several blanks, but they're going to be very quick. So we've talked about this, how prayer is answered, but sometimes why, why don't we feel like we have an answer? I'm going to give you four quick things. Maybe you have a broken relationship. Mark 11 says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Okay, we like that. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sin. Everybody see that? You know that person you can't stand? Yep, that's the one he's talking about. Yep. Read that verse and put that person's name in there. It's not fun. That's what he says. Your relationships with people do impact your relationship with God. Maybe you have the wrong motives. Maybe you went on a bike and you've kidnapped Jesus' mom. James 4, Jesus' brother says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the what? Wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. There are moments when my faith is weak. Your faith matters. Name it and claim it because we want to glorify God. Number three. Maybe you do not believe or big-time doubt that God will do it. You know, a lot of times we pray for God to do something, and then we try to fix it ourselves. Anybody done that? You know, you know what that means? That means we just don't trust God to do it. And so in Mark chapter 9, it says, But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if you can? He's like, he's like you talking to me? If you can. Everything's possible for him who believes. 
That's what Jesus says. The challenge is a lot of people who call themselves Christians really don't truly believe that God can or that God will. There's a, there's a, a great old story it's about a, a pastor way back when, pro, when um, right after Prohibition, and the pastor was upset because there was a bar right across the street selling alcohol, which they called the devil's drink. So the pastor began to have prayer meetings to pray against the bar. One night, in the middle of the night, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. Because of the prayer meetings that the bar owner had heard, he sued the church for his bar burning down. And when he's standing in front of the judge, the judge said, what happened? And the bar owner said, this pastor had prayer group after prayer group and prayed. And because of his prayers, God struck my bar with lightning and burned it to the ground. The pastor said, uh, your honor, no, 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 I object. We didn't really mean anything by that. It was just a harmless prayer meeting. That's, uh, that lightning strike was not our fault. The bartender said, yes, it is. To that, the judge looked at both of them and said, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Here we have a bar, bar owner that believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. <laughs> How often do we have people who call themselves Christians who really don't believe in the power of prayer? We, we hear in our language, well, you know, it's a really bad situation. and Things are really bad there now, and we've done everything we could. The only thing we can do now is just pray. We should have started there. Number four, maybe God has something different in store for you. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. John writes, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That's in prayer. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask for from him. The Apostle Paul had a struggle, and he called it the thorn in his flesh. He preached the gospel for years in every major city in the Mediterranean basin. He was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned um, with rocks and imprisoned. Wrote one-third of the New Testament. And yet, when he cried out to God to remove this, God said, my grace, my undeserved love and favor is sufficient for you. We pray, get, God, get me this house, get me this job, help me marry this person, and we need this and we need that, and heal this and do that. And in the moment, you may not like what you get or don't get, but over time, realize that God has something different planned for you. I was thinking about just a way to wrap this kind of up today, and I think it's probably one of the best examples of what we would consider unanswered prayer that really was answered in the Bible. The book of Genesis there's a guy named Joseph. Joseph has a lot of brothers, and you might know him from his amazing Technicolor dream coat, those Andrew Lloyd Webber fans. Or, um, it was a richly ornamented robe. And he got to stay home close to mom and dad. He was kind of like their favorite. And while his brothers went out at work, and he was kind of like a little jerk. Like God would give him things and give him visions, and he'd walk out while they're working in the hot sun like yesterday, and they're working in the hot sun, and here he comes out in his nice little robe and, you know, smelling all good, looking all good, and saying, hey, I just had a dream that all you suckers are going to bow down to me. His brothers have enough of this. 
What does brothers do? They say, here comes that dreamer. So this is how much they hated him. They decided to take his robe off, beat him up, throw him in a hole, and sell him into slavery. Now, there's times Jill and I had some fights, but I don't think she ever wanted to sell me to slavery or vice versa. But that's what happened. They put blood on there, went and told his father that he was killed. They sold him into slavery. And I still remember, like, the children's Bible of seeing, like, Joseph being taken away and looking back, and his brothers um, are there. And I started thinking of that, thinking of the rejection he felt. He's going to Egypt, and he's put in the house of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife said, that Joseph looks good to me. And Joseph didn't want to, want to do anything because Potiphar was this, this high official, and he just did not want to go there. And guess what? She went after him. And she really went after him. So much so that she ripped his clothes off and he took off naked. And then she didn't like being rejected. And she said, guess what? Potiphar, Joseph tried to attack me. Sent him to jail. He went to jail. We're talking like 18 years. He's in jail. He helps a cupbearer and some others to the Pharaoh. And he says, hey, I'll interpret your dreams, but remember me. They forget about him. Until finally there's this situation, and um, Pharaoh has dreams, like, ah, that Joseph guy, they pull him out. He's a lot older now. And he interprets the dreams, and before you know it, saves them by God's provision. And, they got, and he puts him second in command of all of, uh, uh, next to only Pharaoh in the kingdom of Egypt. And then one day, because of the famine, here comes some people, and guess who it is? It's his brothers. At that moment, if I'm Joseph, I'm like, yes, I'm getting you now. But Joseph had a, had, a, had a different opinion. He had God's will, not his own. Through that time, I'm sure he was praying, God, what are you doing? Where are you, God? And in Genesis 39, verse 2, when his brothers are there, we see that the Lord, it says in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And many years later, when his brothers were there, he said, hey, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God worked through Joseph's life externally to bring about God's plans and purposes. But more importantly than anything he did externally, God worked internally in Joseph's life and taught him more about the God that he served than he ever could if he answered all Joseph's prayers externally. And it's the same thing with you and me today. I bet you that in the sound of my voice that there are several faithful people who have prayed and prayed prayers, and it seems like God is silent, that he wasn't working. Anybody experience this, that God just isn't there? Even if you have and you don't understand it, I want to tell you that you have a faithful God who is with us and he loves us and he loves you. Let's go to God in prayer today because when we pray, what's God doing? Listening. He hears us. So I'm going to ask that you stand as we... Um, to go to him in prayer. Thanks, Becky. And um, I just have a feeling that some people are in the sound of my voice, whether it's now or whether it's later or whenever. And you have been praying, you're going through something. You have some trials. 
You have some struggles. You have some relationships that are broken. You've been, you've been praying for a child or, or my gosh, maybe, and as I look around this room, maybe you prayed for something so fervently and you just knew that God was going to answer your prayer. You had somebody that was close to you that was sick. And you said, I just know, God, that you're going to raise them up out of the hospital and they're going to, they're going to be healed and they're going, to, they're going to talk about the goodness and they die. And you're wondering, God, don't you care? Don't you care at all? There may be others that you've been uh, just sh struggling in your own life. There's so much external that's taking uh, a toll on you, and yet you're saying, God, do something. And God's like, hey, I love you, but I'm working. I'm working right now, but I'm doing something far greater inside you than I ever could do on the outside. So let's pray. God, we are so blown away that you, the God of the universe, hears our prayers, that you listen to what truly matters to us, that we may do your will and we may hear your will. And God, we, we pray for what you're doing in our church, for the transformed lives and for the way that you're drawing us closer to you. And, and you're doing a new thing and we sense it. And so God, we want to experience it and we want to experience you. And God, we know one of the most important things is for us to communicate with you, not daily, but just pray without ceasing. Just an ongoing relationship with you. We want more of you. We want our prayer life to increase. We want our intimacy with you to increase. We want to hear your voice. God, I want more of you. I want so much more of you. So, Daddy, I just pray, and I praise you for the supernatural work that you're doing in your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you are a mighty God, and everything is possible with you, that you're changing lives, and, our, and you're changing our hearts from the inside out. And God, throughout this week, I pray over and over again that your Holy Spirit will remind us to pray, would convict us to pray, would draw us close to you, that, that we would enter into a lifestyle of prayer, and that anytime we ask of something that's not your will, we will surrender to your will. And many times we won't understand, but we will commit to trusting you. But God, teach us to surrender to your will. We have things we want, but not my will, not our will, but yours. And God, now for those who don't know you, I thank you in advance that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you're revealing yourself to them. And maybe even somebody who had an unanswered prayer that has kept them stuck for years and kept them far away from you will see your love in the midst of all this. And they will come to you and those lives will be forever changed because they surrendered to you today. So God, speak to us today as we are going to take time to receive a portion back of the gifts that you've given to us. And if you're visiting with us today, you're our guest and we don't expect you to give in God's tithes and offerings today. Just receive what God had. Like, like we did during the prayer time that Joanna did, that God, we've emptied out everything and we've got our hands down and we've emptied it all out right now. And now we want to receive what you have for us. So God sends your anointing upon the gifts and the tithes, and more importantly, God, do something in our lives to further your kingdom here and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There are people here who are willing to pray with you if um, 
if you would like to, that will be up in front.
great week. Talk to your daddy all throughout the week. And um, again, we'd love for you to connect with small groups still if you want to. And again, if you want to get connected to Right Now Media. But I just pray that, um, that God has an answer for you in your life and that he knows what you're going through. Everybody have an awesome week. Um, enjoy sweating and um, to the oldies if you want or whatever and have a great week. God bless. <laughs>